Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Hi, Wine and Dime listeners. Amy Irvine here, CEO and founder of Rooted Planning Group. We are continuing our journey this month talking about college planning, some of the major changes that are coming up with FAFSA. If you recall, uh, this is a four-part series. And part one, we talked about some college savings options. Part two, we talked about 10 changes to the FAFSA. And today, part three, we're going to dig into talking about part two of those FAFSA changes. So we're continuing the discussion regarding the changes in the FAFSA process and how what's called the Student Affordability Index is now going to be looked at. I want to take a moment to thank College Age Pro community that I belong to for the resources that they've provided to me to pass along with you now, or to you, I should say. Now, one of the things that if you're a longtime listener, you know, I always like to start the podcast with a wine recommendation. And today, I don't have a specific recommendation, but I can say that as fall starts to approach upstate New York, where I'm currently located and prior to me heading south for the winter, so will the fall colors. And I'm looking forward to being a tourist this fall, maybe exploring the beauty of the area a little bit. One thing I thought of when I was up in the Adirondacks on vacation is, you know, we really live in just as much of a beautiful area as all these places in the Adirondacks are. So why not act a little bit like a tourist in the area that I live? So I'm planning on touring a little bit more the east side of Seneca Lake, or trying to, I should say. I came across a travel guide that I found. It was, of course, online, and it was called the Finger Lakes Vineyards. And it was the best wine trails along the Seneca Lake. And I'm going to focus mostly on the east side. One that was not on the list that was recommended to me by a friend, so of course I have to start there, is called Silver Thread Winery. Stay tuned for my report. And if you know about them or you've heard of them, let me know. I'll be sure to say hello when we go visit. So today's episode on the FAFSA Simplification Act, part two, the upcoming FAFSA changes, 
is more around how income and some of the other changes that are happening with FAFSA are going to impact you. So let's start with the income protection allowance, which is actually getting a little bigger. The IPA, as they call it, the income protection allowance shields part of the income from being assessed for the the, uh, student affordability index. The good news is that the allowance is going to go up by about 20%. So for parents, about 20% and and by about 35% for the actual dependent student. And it will be adjusted for inflation. So that's the good news. The bad news is that the number of family members in college at the same time no longer is a fact. So yes, the parents' income allowance is going up as as is the student's income allowance, but it doesn't matter if you have multiple kids in college at the same time. Another related change is that the allowance for state taxes is going away, which will represent an increase in the income overall. And for some, that's between 1% to 9%. So that's a big impact coming up. The employment expense allowance gets uh, tweaked, I guess you want to say. So the FAFSA methodology allowed for a small amount of up to $4,000 to be deducted from income to account for miscellaneous expenses related to employment. Well, to qualify for this allowance, you must be one of the following, a parent of a dependent student, an independent student with dependents, or an independent student who is married. This allowance was previously only available to married couples if both had earnings. So now it is calculated based on total income so that married couples with only one working spouse can qualify. Unfortunately, single independent students without dependents still do not qualify. Students who can't provide parents information now get another option as well. So in the past, we've had some situations where it's we were looking at the student where the student lived. And it really didn't matter if they lived, you know, if the other parent didn't provide the information, if they didn't live with them. Now that's changing. So there there are certainly students that for whatever reason can't provide their parents financial information. But if they don't do that, they don't qualify for an exception from doing so. Instead of being unable to submit the complete ASPA, the FASPA, these students will now be able to file a provincial independent um, independent student file as an, a provincial independent student and submit a complete FAFSA form. So that's a good change. Now, once received, the financial aid administrator will then notify the student of the process by which they must confirm their dependency status. Once the administrator receives the requested information, they will use the professional judgment process to make a determination about the student's financial aid. That will hopefully help some of the families out there or students out there that have struggled to get their their financial aid. This is more common in situations of divorce, especially if it was quite a nasty divorce. Sometimes the other parent doesn't want to provide or either parents want to provide information on that FAFSA and worries that the other parent will get that information. And it could be for a variety of other reasons as well, but that's where I've most commonly seen it. Now, reporting for two household family has a major change coming in with the new Student Affordability Act and the FAFSA simplification rules. Instead of reporting financial information, as I mentioned earlier, on the parent uh, and the spouse of a applicable with whom the student lived most of the year with, the new formula requires information on both parents so and spouses who provide the majority of the student's financial support 
support regardless of who the parent lived with. So that's going to be tricky. And we will provide some information in the show notes um, just to dig into this topic a little bit further. Um, I guess what, you know, what divorce separated in two households can't families need to know about the FAFSA and the CSS profile. That could be a podcast all in itself. Um, but I'll provide some information for you to read if this is applicable to you. Now, what's already taken place or what's already been enacted in this simplification rule? Well, in the past, incarcerated students were not eligible for Pell Grants, but starting with the 2023-2024 award year, they are now eligible. Also, lifetime Pell Grant eligibility applies to students if the school school closed while they were enrolled, and that's happened with a couple of schools recently, or the school misled the student in any way. Schools are now required to report uh, the cost of attendance to students using a more encompassing method that includes loan fees and miscellaneous direct and indirect costs for completing their program. We think that's really important and critical because when you're calculating the cost of attendance, you need to know, especially the indirect cost. And I think it's going to help people understand the cost of the loan as well. Because when you get your financial award letter, they will list the loans that you're eligible for. Well, that's going to actually, when you think about that, a loan is actually not an award. It's just something that you get as to help you pay for college, but it's not actually a award. As I mentioned earlier, professional judgment, which allows financial aid officers to adjust components of the need um, equation for students is in special circumstances, is also being expanded. Institutions are now required to disclose openly that such adjustments may be available. That's always been something that's sort of been behind the scenes. And so now they have to actually disclose that. And that's something that's already been enacted. Now, what are special circumstances? Loss of income, housing change, possibly a homeless youth, if you're orphaned, if you have a foster youth, if you have large medical expenses, or multifamily members enrolled in higher education. Adjustments can be made to the cost of attendance, dependency status, and Pell Grant determined determination. So what's the timeline for 2023. There have been so many changes to the FAFSA as a result of the Simplification Act and the Future Act, actually, which if you don't know what the Future Act stands for, it's fostering undergraduate talent by unlocking resources for education. That's a mouthful and a half, most of which take effect this fall. Uh, We discussed these changes and details in the prior podcasts. So if you didn't hear about them, make sure that you uh, go back and listen. Normally, the FAFSA is available on October 1st each year, but this year it will not be available until December. And we actually don't have an exact date yet in December. We just know that it's December. The the Department of Education has actually posted a kind of timeline out there. So they're saying summer of 2023, the Financial Student Aid Index tool will be updated so that families can start estimating their SAMI determination, which was formerly the expected family contribution. Then in December of 2023, the FAFSA um, site will actually be live. So again, we don't know exactly when, we just know that that's when you'll be able to file. Uh, As early as supposedly July 15th, we will be able to start um, incorporating some changes into our planning. Uh, When I say supposedly, it's because that's when we thought we were going to have some of the information, but we don't have everything. And as I'm recording this 
podcast that's actually late August. We hope to hear, um, as far as December goes, we hope it's early in the year and we hope to um, work with our CAP community and or with our listeners to record some sort of video that might help you through this process. In October of 2024, it is thought that the FAFSA will be available for its regular date again. So hopefully all of that holds up. Now, the side effects of the delay for the FAFSA, well, colleges and universities have a set process for accepting applications and reviewing financial aid forms that normally doesn't change much from year to year. And some schools have historically been able to issue acceptance letter and financial award letters in November and December to students who apply early. Clearly, that's going to be different. So many grant application deadlines fall in December and January, which normally gives students and family a few months to complete their financial aid forms. So it's going to be a rush for sure. We may see some of the colleges delay those deadlines this year in order to make it easier for everyone. Now, some private schools may require the CSS profile or other financial aid forms in addition to the FAFSA. So that might this year and and that might not have been something that they've required in the the past just so that they can get an understanding of what's going on with your financials. And grant application deadlines may be pushed back to allow families time to fill out the FAFSA. Early action and early acceptance applications or notifications may be pushed back as well for the same reason. And certainly due dates for the FAFSA probably will get pushed back. There also may be less time between receiving financial award letters and being required to make that college decision. So we definitely want to do some pre-planning in advance, if at all possible. There are a number of things you can do to be prepared for a quick turnaround. And and one of them is to make sure that you you go out on the Department of Education's new tool, the estimator tool, as soon as it becomes available and start working with it. You also want to sign up for informational sessions offered by your school system if they have it. And make sure that you have login information handy for all your financial accounts. Apply for your FAFSA, your FSA ID this fall, even though you can't get into it until, can't file the FAFSA until the, the December, December timeframe. Just get your ID set up. And then check the college application websites periodically to stay on top of the So yes, this year, the FAFSA will be difficult. We understand that. We are here to help you. And hopefully, some of these changes, as I've noted in the past, will be very helpful for you. We want to say thank you for listening to this show again today. We hope that this episode was enjoyable. And even though it might not be applicable to you specifically, it may be applicable to somebody that you love or somebody that you know. And we'd certainly love it if you'd share it with your friends and family and rate us on iTunes so that more people like you can find us. Special shout out again to my CAP community who provided a lot of this research for me in a very nice little bundle so that I could pass it along to you. And a shout out to TJ Mian at Mian Media. We certainly appreciate your appreciate all the fixes and faux pas, fixes of the faux pas. Yeah, see what I mean? And blending that you do in the production stages. Thanks everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.